Hey, what up, Meat Suits? Alex here. Um, we have a very strange bonus episode for you today. I mentioned this on the show last week, but let me just give you a quick introduction. I wrote an episode of Sex in the City. So if you're trying to be a writer in Hollywood, there used to be a way in. It was called writing a spec script, where you write an episode of a show that already exists, basically to show you know how to take characters that already exist and write in that voice. It's kind of a writing audition. It's not really done as much anymore, but what happened was when they announced that there was a new Sex in the City reboot coming, I was thinking a lot about how weird it was that they were bringing this back from the dead, and it got me thinking about how mummies are kind of my brand, and so I got the idea to write a, a Halloween episode of Sex in the City that I'm calling Sex and the City of the Dead, and that is what you're about to hear. So I got together some Read Weep favorites and a couple of people who will be new to you to do a table read of the script. So this is just a bunch of my friends sitting around reading the script that I wrote for an episode of Sex and the City. The target audience for this is nobody, but it's especially not children. Um, one thing that happened was when I first sent it over to my manager, he was like, you have to make the sex scene grosser. And I did, and I regretted it every minute of the table read. So if you have kids around or anybody with taste of any kind, probably skip this one. Oh, and this takes place early in season three when Carrie and Big were broken up and she was still smoking. So that's it. I can't stall any longer. Here's the recording of Sex in the City of the Dead. Colon, Carrie dates a mummy. We fade in on the exterior of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in the evening. Beautiful rich people pour out of limousines and walk up the stairs into the museum. They're mostly wearing elegant evening wear with masquerade-style masks, but a few stand out for their exciting 2000s-era costumes. There are half a dozen different Austin Powerses, a Clinton-Lewinsky couple, Justin and Brittany in matching denim, and a real overachiever has managed a flawless mad cow disease costume. We hear Carrie in her normal scene-opening voiceover. Since parties were invented, the best ones have always involved masks. There's something about hiding your cheekbones that helps people really cut loose. Carrie and Samantha walk up the stairs, fully Halloweened. Carrie in a knockout Cleopatra outfit, and Sam as a French maid. A man dressed as the letters Y2K walks by the women and scoffs. Samantha's firm was helping with the party, and she convinced me that a little anonymity would do me good. At least I knew if I ran into my ex here, I could pretend I didn't recognize him. Inside the museum, as they walk in, Carrie adjusts her skirt. Somehow I feel over and underdressed at the same time. People who didn't try, they aren't worth talking to. I was very clear that this was a costume party. Apparently, some people thought that meant it was a junior prom. You look incredible. You're not so bad yourself. By the way, if you get bored, my place could use some sexy vacuuming. It'll cost you. I charge by the sexy hour. And I'm already bored. Carrie nods and they turn in unison towards the bar. Um, can I get a... The hot bartender, a 20-something, frowns and points to the sign with a couple of Halloween-themed drinks described on it. Poison Apple Teeny, Invisible Manhattan, I want to drink your Bloody Mary, and the less punny Elixir of Life. We're only serving these today. Be careful with the Elixir of Life, it's really strong. It's just a Cosmo. I'll take that. Make me 22 again. I don't ever want to be in my 20s again. How about a poison apple teeny? Coming up, ladies. They get the drinks and stand in front of a mummy exhibit, observing the room. Carrie seems nervous. Oh, stop. Big isn't here. I saw the guest list, remember? He has this way of showing up when you don't want him to. She takes a sip of her drink and makes a face. This is disgusting. Apparently, the way you stay young is way too much simple syrup. Somebody's getting fired for this. 
Without looking, she sets the glass on a case behind her. She doesn't notice that she spills some of the pink liquid and it oozes through a crack in the glass and drips onto the mummy's head. I'm gonna get a real drink. I bet if you offer to polish his silver, he'll let you order off the menu. She considers this and shrugs. Be right back. We follow Sam to the bar. Give me a kettle and soda. I don't give a shit what you call it. I know you've got it back there. Hot bartender shrugs. Sam looks over and notices a man waiting for a drink next to her, dressed as Dirk Diggler from Boogie Nights. He's got bell bottoms with an absurd bulge, fluffy wig, 70s shirt open to show off his muscular chest. He nails the voice, too, that naive dock worker sound. Samantha looks him up and down, pleased. Now this is a costume. Thanks. I love wearing clothes. And if I give you my number, is there something wonderful waiting to get out and meet me? I've been blessed. She laughs and grabs a napkin to write on. Back with Carrie, she's still looking nervously around. Behind her, we see that her pink drink has worked its magic, and Nesman, the mummy in the exhibit, has woken up. He looks around, then slides open the side of the glass case and steps out, bumping into Carrie. Oh dear, my humblest apologies. Uh, no problem, didn't even make me spill. She double takes at his appearance. Whoa, you went all out. Are you on Broadway or something? I believe this is fit. <laughs> you got me there. I need to get out of here. I could use a smoke myself. Carrie hands her drink to the server and follows the mummy towards the exit. Outside on the steps, Carrie takes a seat and takes out a cigarette. She offers Nesman the pack and he waves it away. Too dangerous. I'm almost 40% bitching. I get it. Any more than a bit of men is too much for me as well. She takes off her headdress and shakes out her hair. He just sits there staring at the bustle around him. You're not going to take yours off? It's not fair I don't get to see your face. Oh no. I'm not wearing anything underneath. This makes her smile. She sticks out her hand. Carrie Bradshaw. It's fine. Some people recognize the name. I'm a writer. You have paper? You must be very wealthy. Don't tell Visa that. And what's your name? Nesmin. It means the one who belongs to Min. Min must be very lucky. Yes, the god Min is extremely lucky. And I am lucky to have served him as a priest in his temple. Oh, great. I meet a cute one and he's a priest. Maybe I should consider being celibate too. Uh, not that kind of priest. In fact, Min is the god of virility and power. He's usually depicted with an erection and holding a whip. From inside his wrappings, he pulls a gold chain with an engraved pendant of the god Min, who does indeed have a raging heart on and a whip. Definitely Google it real quick if you haven't seen it before. Wow, now that is a god I can get behind, or in front of. I don't follow. I'm still trying to perfect my English idioms. Where are you from? He's still a bit confused by everything, but gaining confidence. Uh, Egypt, obviously, uh, but that was a long time ago. I get it, the whole mummy thing. Yes, I am cursed to the whole mummy thing for the rest of eternity. Carrie searches his bandaged face for a sign that he is joking. He's not joking. You're serious? You're saying you're actually the mummy Nesmin? Is that your final answer? That reference I have heard, as it is being made a lot in this time period. My body was held in this museum for many years. It seems the liquid your friend baptized me with has brought my soul back from the underworld. The elixir of life? That was real. That's insane. I am in full agreement on that point, yes. But here we are. Well, my mummy friend, welcome to the year 2000. It seems to be a marvelous age, though I would bet there are still some pleasures from my own era that would surprise and delight you. If you worked for that Min guy, I bet there are. Let us retire to your place of residence, and I shall show you. You are very forward, Mr. Nesman. 
This is true, but also I can't take you to my place, as it is a glass box surrounded by partygoers. An excellent point. I guess I have to give you a place to stay the night since I was there when you came back to life. But you're on the couch, Padre, no hanky-panky. Adieu. For this night, at least. You were so nice about that, a little hanky-panky's back on the table. A few days later, the women surround a table in a diner exchanging stories and jokes, like they do. Miranda speaks first. What do you mean, he's a mummy? I mean, he's a mummy. He died in 300 BC and was preserved. Very well preserved, if I may say so. I can tell you about one organ that wasn't removed through his nose. Charlotte recoils. That's disgusting. I don't think I could date a dead person. I like them old, but not that old. He's a little old-fashioned, maybe. Not convinced women should have jobs. That's not so old-fashioned. Half the men in my firm would agree with him. But how's the sex? Jaw-dropping. That good? His jaw fell off. Gross! And you don't need to worry about a condom, since his whole body is wrapped up. And his tongue. He excavated me like an archaeologist. So lucky. We have to be careful because mummification is all about removing moisture, so if I get too wet, it'll destroy him. That's what a dental dam is for, sweetie. We needed a dam because he definitely overflowed my Nile. I prefer to have a dead boyfriend who's great at sex than what I've got. A dead bedroom. Oh, Miranda, is it still bad? I can ask if Nesman knows an incantation that can help you and Steve. We're both so tired and busy, and he works these crazy hours. People in the bar industry never have sex at the right time. I'm sure you'll figure something out. Like what? I told him we could just put something on the calendar so we at least know what's going to happen, but he hated that idea. I think it's hot to have something on the calendar to look forward to. I just can't find a calendar big enough for all my appointments. (laughs) It's a normal part of moving in with somebody, Miranda. It means your intimacy is growing and changing. It happens to everybody. Easy for you to say. You're still getting your tomb raided. He was so good, he left a curse for the next person who enters. At the very least, I know an empty exhibit at the Met you can put your sex life in. Born freshman year in high school, died October 2000. Can we stop thinking about death? I would hate thinking about it, too, if I'd literally killed a man. Charlotte looks around the diner, terrified people will hear. Hey, you promised never to bring that up again, and I didn't kill him, I manslaughtered him, thanks to Miranda's fine legal work. Hey, I was only able to get you off because Samantha got the judge off. What can I say? I like a man who knows how to hammer. (laughs) But seriously, we're glad you're free. Everybody nods gravely. Speaking of blasts from the past, I met a guy. Same party as Carrie's mummy, but mine was dressed as Dirk Diggler. The guy from Boogie Nights with the huge prosthetic Dirk? I'm going out with him tonight. Who knows if he's really got the goods, or if he's just Dirking me around. There you go again with all that Dirk talk. So you guys really don't see a problem with me dating a mummy? He's old and rich. He's your type. If you liked Big's place, imagine going back to this guy's pyramid. Carrie turns to Charlotte, silently asking permission from her moral compass. (sighs) I guess I have no room to talk. Go for it. Inside a fancy New York restaurant at night, Sam sits at a table scanning the restaurant. While I contemplated dating a guy who was always in costume, Sam waited to see what her man looked like without one. A muscular man walks in and sits down, but we only see him from behind. Samantha looks shocked. We swing around from her perspective to discover that it's the same guy from the Halloween party and is actually Mark Wahlberg. Hard to imagine he was free for a cameo, I know, but you're going with me on the mummy thing, so this shouldn't be that much of a stretch. You're actually... No, I'm not actually. 
I'm Mark Wahlberg. It's nice to see you again now that you're out of your work clothes. I thought it was just a costume. I'm that good of an actor. I can disappear into any role. It's rare that I find myself speechless, but there you are. You're Mark Wahlberg. What brings you to New York? Uh, just some early publicity for Planet of the Apes. There's a new Planet of the Apes? Why? Oh, so good. Tim Burton is directing, the guy who did the best Batman movies. I think this will be the definitive Planet of the Apes movie. I'll be sure to see it. It's crazy, man. There's like this planet, and it's full of apes. Mark stares off into space. You know, maybe don't spoil it. Good idea. You're pretty. I hope we have sex later. What are we eating? I love food. Not all of it. Mark looks at the menu and squints like this is his first time seeing words. Samantha stares at him, confused. Meanwhile, across town, I was also tongue-tied. Inside Carrie's apartment, Carrie and Nesman are in bed making out furiously. It's upsetting to watch. They break off, and she looks him in the eyes. I'm sorry, my tongue isn't as agile as it was when I was alive. No, it's great. I'm, I'm just so surprised at how good you are at everything, actually. Like, how do you speak English so well? I spent decades in that glass box that seemed tourists. I know most languages. Really? Say something in Russian. Russian, 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 Russian. What's it mean? Let's get back to what we were doing. <laughs> You're insatiable. Back in the temple, we did it pretty much constantly. Carrie looks down, suddenly feeling a bit insecure. You've been around so long. I feel like I'm not bringing enough to this relationship. You are alive. That's very impressive to me. Yeah, but so are most people. I never thought I'd be self-conscious about how many women somebody's been with, but it must be a lot. It is a good number. Like, how many? Ballpark. About 20. You expect me to believe you've only been with 20 women? Uh, no. Percent. I've been with about 20% of women. At least at the time, there are more women now. Carrie looks upset. Oh, don't worry. Uh, mostly I just stayed within the women of my harem. This has not helped. Many of whom were there voluntarily. Uh, or were given to me as gifts. Even worse. You know what? We're overthinking this. Let's get back to where we were. Actually, I have an idea. He unrolls some of the bandage from his arm and tears it. Then he uses it to tie her to the bed. I like where this is going. He uses more bandages to blindfold her. You're into hardcore bandage. He nods. And now I show you that my people worship kitties. He slips down out of frame and we stay on her face. She's very into whatever he's doing. Oh, God. Nesman's head pops back into frame. Which God? You must be specific when you pray. Shut up and get back to it. How about this? Oh. He grabs her face in his hand and kisses her. She wiggles free. Uh, wait, if both of your hands are up here, how are you? He lifts her blindfold and shows her his hands, and we see the two of the fingers are missing, but apparently are still working their magic down below. She is impressed. Enough. I need all of you. He retrieves his fingers and reattaches them to his hand. He climbs on her and we watch as his dusty bandaged back as he thrusts into her. He groans in a classic mummy way, but it escalates to become more and more sexual. He nears a climax and then... The sun god Ra bestows his light upon you! We match cut to the inside of a busy New York Starbucks during the day. Carrie taps a jar of cinnamon onto her drink, just like the dust that we presume Nesman would ejaculate. 20%? He said that to you? Men usually lie, so it was probably closer to 30. I don't think I've even broken 10% of Manhattan. Don't beat yourself up. The world was much smaller back then. Hmm. So you like him then? He's nice, and the sex is great, but he does have a lot of outdated ideas. Like what? He doesn't believe in texting? That, and he's pro-slavery. Oof. 
I'm not touching that one. And I'm historically very willing to jump into problematic conversations about race. He insists it's the only way to do great architecture. He was floored when I told him the people who built New York were paid, and he said that's why it's so ugly. Samantha? Samantha? Semantic? Sam grabs her drink, rolling her eyes. Well, some people are overpaid. I can ignore a lot of abhorrent politics, but this might be a deal breaker. They move to the window bar and lean on it, looking out as they talk. If you've been alive long enough, you've said some problematic things. It happens to everybody. Not us, though, right? We're extremely progressive, so nothing we've said will ever seem quaint or offensive. Especially our whitewashing of New York, anti-Semitic stereotypes, classicism, bisexual erasure, kink shaming, acceptance of sexual harassment in the workplace, pro-smoking agenda, and non-stop slut-shaming of you. True. We're going to age perfectly forever. But his brain is stuck in the 3rd century BC. That's the risk with bringing stuff back from the dead. It might be beautiful, but it's always got baggage. Speaking of carrying something heavy around, how's Mr. Diggler? He's the real deal. That big? No. I mean, it's a fine size, but that's not it. He wasn't just wearing a Mark Wahlberg costume. He was actually the Mark Wahlberg. You went on a date with Marky Mark? That's amazing. How was it? He is hot and extremely dumb. Does that bother you? More than I thought it would. Why is he here? Promoting a remake of Planet of the Apes, apparently. (laughs) Why would anyone reboot that movie? That's how Hollywood works. TV is mostly desecrated corpses shambling around. Tell me about it. I've submitted the same column at least six different times and my editor hasn't noticed. Inside Carrie's apartment later that day, Carrie's propped up on her elbows working on her laptop. Later, I couldn't get what she said out of my head. If nothing is ever new, I couldn't help but wonder, in relationships and TV development deals, is it okay to just keep bringing stuff back from the dead? Inside Miranda and Steve's apartment later that night, Miranda comes home and takes off her coat. In Miranda's case, she was desperate to bring something back to life, but couldn't figure out the right elixir. Steve barely moves from his spot on the couch where he's watching sports. She hands him a package. This came for you today. Oh, hey, I didn't hear you come in. He grabs it and hides it under a pillow. What is it? Nothing. She grabs it back and quickly tears it open, then looks, shocked, at a package labeled Sex Life Resurrection Kit. It's it's stupid. It's just this thing I got. I, I, I thought it'd help. No, that's not silly. I'm willing to try. What's in it? Sex position playing cards? It, it could be fun. Edible lotions? Not sure about that one. Uh, do you want to try it out uh, after the next game? See, this is what I'm talking about. You'd rather watch the game. It's really close. It's only 10 minutes. Is that 10 real minutes or 10 basketball minutes? Basketball minutes. So an hour. Probably not that bad. I'm tired anyway. I should get to bed. We can try it some other time. (sighs) Probably for the best. I told you I'd be willing to schedule a meeting so we're both prepared. It just feels like giving up. But a CD of central music titled Quiet Flame isn't giving up? Or stick-on nipple coverings? What even is it for? Are my nipples a problem? Maybe you're right. Maybe we should just give in and put it on the calendar. Really? When you don't have work and the Knicks aren't playing. That'd be perfect. She sighs and pulls out a pocket organizer out of her purse. Friday at 10? Let me check my schedule. He thinks for a second. Works for me. It's a date. It's a meeting, at least. Call it what you want, but I'll be there. If you want to prepare, there's some assigned reading in there. 
Advanced Sex Play, Positions and Toys for Lovers DVD. I'll get to it after the other briefs. Inside Charlotte's apartment that night, we slowly pan around her immaculately decorated apartment. And while Miranda and Steve tried to rekindle their old passion, Charlotte tried to keep hers from coming back. Eventually, we settle on Charlotte sitting up in bed, fully dressed. She's trying to be strong, but finally gives up and reaches over to the nightstand. She opens the drawer and pulls out a shiny pistol. She cradles it against her cheek and whispers to it. We can't, Mr. Boomy. You understand that, right? We got in too much trouble last time. That was our very last time. I'm sorry, Mr. Boomy. I miss it too, but we just can't take that chance. She kisses the gun, then puts it back in the drawer and stares at it, forlorn. Outside in Coney Island the next day, Carrie and Nesman walk through the carnival. He shambles along, trying to keep up with her, but she keeps getting ahead, then forcing herself to slow down so he can catch up. People are having to go around them because they're so slow. Who would like to be your champion? May I conquer one of these stuffed monsters for you? That's cute. I guess chivalry isn't dead. Nesman stops, entranced by a busker spray-painted silver. He's surrounded by children. A kid gives the busker a dollar and he starts moving, shocking Nesman. This statuary has come to life. It's nothing, Nesman, just a performer. Oh, whew. They approach a booth where you can throw a softball at a pyramid of bottles. We used to have something like this in my hometown, and I was quite skilled at it. Of course, it was a little different. We threw rocks at prisoners of war. Carrie redirects him away from the game before anyone can hear him. You know I love it when you talk about atrocities from your past. Yes, but what of your past? I know very little about you. Why aren't you already part of some great king's bride, Harry? The question hurts a little. I thought I had that kind of relationship, but I was wrong. What was he like? Was he like me? Nothing like you. Some people say I have a type, but I don't at all. I'm open to anybody as long as they're rich and white. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course, Uh, but I... She walks too far ahead. She sighs and waits for him to catch up. I'm sorry, I'm I'm shambling as fast as I can. Uh, What was that last part? Nothing. They walk up to a ring toss booth. A full-grown man running the booth walks over, annoyed. If I win this competition, do I win you? Uh, Or do I have to trade a lesser prize for you? Carrie grabs his shoulder and pushes him away from the booth and makes an apologetic face at full-grown man. You can't just do that. You can't own people anymore. My apologies. I'm still trying to get used to everything. Uh, Here, I'd like a treat. They approach the snack bar. Uh, Let me get this for you. Boy, boy. Carrie shakes her head. He notices and quickly corrects. Uh, free man, free man. An annoyed woman walks up to the window to take his order. Uh, my lady and I would like two tiger steaks. We don't have that. What kind of establishment is this? Fine, bring us an eel. Don't have that. You unhelpful wench. May all your statues crumble and all your children be female. She quickly jumps in front of him. He's not from here. Uh, cotton candy, please. Keep the change. She takes her cotton candy and drops $20, which the annoyed woman pockets without smiling. Uh, I'll pay you back. I own most of the wealth known to man. Didn't the British take most of it? What is a British? Never mind. Inside Carrie's apartment that night, Carrie and Nesman are making out again. It's still gross. He is, after all, a rotting corpse preserved through dehydration and chemical solutions. But that isn't why Carrie is holding back a little. Back at my place, I decided I didn't care about the past. It doesn't matter what you did back then as long as you can be good in this moment. And despite myself, I was starting to feel genuine warmth for this cold, lifeless body. As I unwrapped the ancient ceremonial cloth around his groin, I couldn't help but wonder, how hard would it be to unwrap his heart? They roll over. Carrie opens her eyes and notices something on the ground. She pushes Nesman back. What's that? She points to a bit of bandage on the floor. Oh, uh, that is mine, obviously. He grabs it and quickly stuffs it into his own chest wrapping. It looked different. 
It's not different. It is the same. There are no other mummies here. Why would you phrase it that way? I'm suddenly very tired. Good night. He rolls over and curls up on the side of the bed. You don't sleep. He pretends to snore. (sighs) Whatever. I'm going out for a smoke. Inside Samantha's apartment, Samantha is going down on Mark Wahlberg. I know. I'm surprised too, but it's happening. And he is into it. Yeah, that's right. Do it to me. Corrupt me. Like in that movie, The Corrupter. Did you see that? Samantha shakes her head. I guess you don't like movies. I'm close. Get ready for the perfect storm. Samantha stops and looks at him, annoyed. If this is going to work, you're going to need to stop talking. I can do that. I'll be so quiet, you won't even know I'm here. Samantha resumes. Three kings. Inside Miranda and Steve's apartment, Miranda is working, surrounded by paper. Steve is tossing a tennis ball against the wall and catching it, making Miranda wince each time. Can you stop that for a bit? You're making me nervous. The calendar said 10 p.m. I've got seven more minutes to kill before our meeting. About that. I might be a few minutes late. I need to finish this. Boss isn't going to like that. You think you're the boss? I'm definitely the boss. Hmm. Well, then. I'm sure uh, the boss doesn't want to be late to her own meeting. That would be very unprofessional. I don't like your tone. Very insolent. What are you going to do about it, boss? I might have to write you up. Yeah? File a report with HR. Oh, no. And this report will be so devastating. It's really going to limit your earning potential over your lifetime. You may not be able to retire at this rate, despite your consistent contributions to your 401k. Miranda's standing over him now. Unless maybe there's another way to deal with your behavior. Please, I'll do anything. I need this job. My office, now. Yes, ma'am. Steve scampers towards the bedroom. Miranda looks pleased with herself for this new discovery about their relationship, even though it was completely obvious to all of us watching that this is where they were headed. She strides off towards the bedroom, head held high. Inside Samantha's apartment, in the morning, Samantha wakes up and looks around. She's relieved to see Mark isn't in bed with her. She gets up and walks to the kitchen. She jumps when she sees Mark standing there, in just his underwear, staring out the window at some pigeons. He looks good. What are you thinking about, birds? Please, let me into your secret bird world. You must know great truths. He notices Samantha. I tried to make coffee, but at the end of the day... He gestures to a coffee pot with whole coffee beans just floating in water and several broken pieces of a coffee maker spread out on the counter. I didn't. And that's when Samantha realized... Actually, no. Sometimes the B and C stories are just a slant rhyme to the theme of the episode with no major revelations at the end, and that's just fine. Back to bed, Mark, and we'll do that sexy thing where you don't say anything. I'll remain a silent mystery. Like the noble pigeon. Outside in Hudson Park during the day, Carrie and Nesbitt walk down the sidewalk, overlooking the river. Nesbitt is taking it all in, still just amazed. People power walk and rollerblade around them as they're moving incredibly slowly. You truly live in a marvelous age. I know I have a lot to learn, but I'm happy to do my best as long as... A pair of joggers run by and Nesbitt panics, thinking that they're running from some danger. Have the locusts returned? What more do you want from me, Moses? He attempts to run and immediately trips and falls. Harry, get down. The locusts are back. It's okay, Nesman. They're just running for fun. What? I'll explain some other time. She helps him up. As she does, the piece of differently colored bandage from earlier falls out. She grabs it and examines it. It is obviously and clearly different from any of his wrappings. What is this? Fine. 
I was going to tell you today anyway. I returned to the museum, and I've resurrected one of my favorite wives. And we're going to try to make it work. I knew it! You're, how do they say it, uh, cool and everything? But she's a high priestess. Sex with her is literally commuting with the gods. It's not you, it's us. I can't believe I'm getting dumped by a broke-ass mummy. I'm not broke. I'm the richest- You're not rich! All your treasure was looted by the British. You have nothing. You're crashing on my couch because you don't have a place to live. You're not so wealthy yourself. You have no carriages and no slaves. It is highly unlikely you'll have enough gold to secure passage into the afterlife. Carrie starts walking away from him and he can't keep up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Come back, Carrie. I, I don't know how to get home from here. I order you to return. She looks back for a second and shakes her head, then keeps walking. Well... You're not that hot anyway. You hardly use any lead around your eyes, and you have no incest pellets under your arms. You were lucky to be part of my harem. People are starting to stare. May Moses curse your livestock! We flip around and look at Carrie's face as Nesbin falls further and further behind over her shoulder. She smiles to herself. That's when I realized it's fine to bring something back from the dead. But no matter how much baggage you have, you need to be able to keep up. Nothing is more useless to this world than a slow walker in New York. Fade out. End of episode. Thank you so much. Let me tell you really quick, the cast of this show, Sarah Hathaway as Carrie. You also heard New York Times bestselling author Omar Al-Akkad as the mummy Nesman, Bree Pruitt as Samantha, and of course as Dirk Diggler and Mark Wahlberg, Drew Johnson, also starring Katie Wynn as Miranda and Stephen Carter, thin voice ranger as Steve. Rachel Friedland as Charlotte and Ezra Fox as the hot bartender and the annoyed woman. My name is Alex Falcone. I'm the writer of this weird thing. Thank you so much for listening to it. Best Thank you very much. This was easily the worst thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> <laughs>